0: we've all been children and we've all graduated <laughs> in here at least in body, perhaps not in mind it's a story about an economist that returned to visit his alma mater as he was talking with his favorite professor he asked to see some of the exams that the professor was giving to the current students and he was surprised to see that Those questions all looked familiar to him. And sure enough, he he said this to his professor, um, that they looked the same as the ones he had taken 10 years ago. And the professor answered, The questions are always the same, only the answers change. (laughs) That's not usually that way. We always have questions. Questions confront us every day. And they run the gamut from basic questions like, how do I get from this particular restaurant to this particular store, that basic side, to the profound questions like, who am I? Who has God created me to be? And how can I best be who God has created me to be? Every Sunday during Sunday school and worship and throughout the week in our small groups, we deal with questions of faith the profound ones, questions of action, questions of motivation, questions of discipline, wrestling with the questions is healthy. Sometimes we just want answers, but today we want to think about wrestling with the questions. For basic questions, it's okay for somebody to tell us the answer how to get from point A to point B. But for those profound questions, we need to wrestle. We need to seek our answers, which may be different from even those closest to us. And if we don't find the answers, we at least need to become somewhat comfortable with the mystery. When we think about questions in the Bible, we easily can think about Job. We talk about the patience of Job, but Sam Ballantyne, my professor at the Baptist Seminary, thinks Job was not patient. Job was demanding, asking question after question of God about justice and suffering. Because Job had been a faithful servant of God all of his life. And he had children and he had livestock and he had servants. And all accounts would be that God was blessing Job for his faithfulness. And then things took a turn. And not just veered off course, but took a 180 degree turn. And all in a matter of minutes, Job got the news first that his oxen and donkeys were stolen and some of his servants who cared for them had been killed. Next, he got the news, seconds afterwards, that the sheep and shepherd had been killed. And then it was his camels that were stolen and those caretakers were killed. And then his own children who were dining together in the home of Job's eldest son, were killed when a great wind made the house collapse on all of them. And Job's response was this. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Over the next 36 chapters... Job and three friends wrestle with blessing and cursing and faithfulness and integrity and sin and suffering and fear and causality and more. There are 271 question marks in the 42 chapters of Job. Over 20% of those, though, come in five chapters. The last five chapters, when God joins the conversation, God has apparently listened to the comments and the frustrations and accusations. And when God responds, it's not with answers It's with questions. Chapter 38 begins. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up your loins like a man. I will question you, and you shall declare to me. Where were you? When I laid the foundation of the earth, tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements, surely, you know, or who stretched the line upon it on what were its bases sunk or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. Can you lift up your voice to the clouds so that a flood of waters may cover you? Can you send forth lightning so they may go and say to you, here we are? Who has put wisdom in the inward parts or given understanding to the mind? Who has the wisdom to number the clouds? Or who can tilt the water skins of the heavens when the dust runs together into a mass and the clods cling together. Can you hunt the prey for the lion or satisfy the appetite of the young lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in their covert? Who provides for the raven its prey when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food? Once when Bob Hope received a major award, he responded, I don't deserve this, but then I have arthritis and I don't deserve that either. The Hubble Space Telescope shows us galaxy after galaxy in this universe, which may have the same effect as God's words to Job. We are speechless at its grandeur and its vastness. We cannot explain well all the creation we see, nor the beauty within it and around us. Nor can we explain the evil and injustice that we see and experience. The suicide bombings, the deaths of children from the H1N1 virus, the disappearance of Morgan Harrington. J. Randolph Harris read that when William Sloan Coffin was an undergraduate at Yale, three of his friends were killed in a car accident when the driver fell asleep at the wheel. Always these things bring questions. At the funeral, Coffin was sickened by the piety of the priest as he spoke the words from early in Job, The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Coffin was outraged by that, by the priest using that phrase, that he even considered tripping the priest as he recessed up the aisle. And as he was even preparing to do so, a small voice asked him, What part of the phrase, Coffin, are you objecting to? He says that he thought, at first, it was the second part. The Lord hath taken away. But he writes, Then suddenly it dawned on me that I was protesting the first. The Lord gave. It hit me hard that it was not my world. That at best, we are all guests. And the Lord gave was a statement against which all the spears of human pride have to be hurled and shattered. As I see that last sentence in our human pride, we can ask God the questions. We can hurl the spears. But those spears will shatter as we realize again that we cannot fathom the depths of who God is And what God does in this world. What we can do is to take care of it in every way possible. We can recycle our glass and paper and cans to reduce the waste that goes into landfills. We can take care of animals that come to us for help even if just taking them to a no-kill shelter. And on this children's Sabbath, we remind ourselves that we must take care of the children. And not just our children. All children. Using every avenue each of us has for teaching them the ways of God and the ways of goodness. I think about our neighbor who is right beside the bus stop where our kids wait for the bus, and she is aware of what time the bus comes, and she is aware of how the dog sits patiently and the dog gets treats from the bus driver. We don't see her, but she's watching. And I think that we're called to that same vigilance to watch, And to care wherever we can? The questions and challenges can seem overwhelming. And so it's tempting to think of the things that we can't do or the things that God won't do, or so it appears. But we're called to look at that positive side. What can we do? What can I do? Here's a prayer for us, for each day. What can I do to make our world a better place? Our world. We're guests, but for now, we're also caretakers. I invite us to see that wherever we go, wherever we are.